Hello, I am back for another Q&A with Ruth, who will hopefully very shortly be joining. If you have any questions live, fire them in. Oh, she's the first here, which is very impressive. Okay, boom. View Very stormy here. Um, did I press that button or not? Oh no, I didn't press that button. Hi, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm okay, but it's real stormy, you know. My mum just sent me an email being like, just so you know, there's a red weather warning, so you really shouldn't be going outside. So, you know, I don't know how I'm going to get my steps in, but. You're on the worst bit, aren't you, as well? Like yeah, I, think, it is, I think I'm in like the eye of the storm. Yeah. I think you are because I was looking at I've got a lady a client that lives in Aaron and um I was like, Oh you're yellow, it's Dundee that's really bad. Mm. But yeah, I think it literally is here that's the worst. Yeah. So that's great. Um Okay, we have a question here already. Ooh. I always find I need to urinate more in a deficit. Is that normal? Drinking more? More food? You could be drinking more. Do you know what? I, yeah, actually, sometimes I think it's more water in the food that you're eating. So if you increase your food volume, then you're more likely to be eating things like fruit and veg, which actually have a lot of water in them. I couldn't figure this out for ages. Like, I'd go to bed. Like, I'd go to the bathroom, then I'd go to bed, then I'd get up loads in the night. And I was like, but I'm not drinking anything in the night. How can I? And I think it was, like, food digestion. Mm. Yeah. yeah yeah I actually find that if I eat late at night I can have similar so maybe maybe that but I would say it's more likely that she's eating that high volume food isn't it yeah I've um, I had a question from a one of my one-to-ones that I um thought I'd uh, she, she was like I think she wants you to make her feel better she's scared of weighing and I, okay. I said so she's scared of weighing and, and we've had conversations because the shorts that fitted her didn't fit her, sorry, fit her easily now. And I said, so you can see the progress you've made. She'll, she'll hopefully be watching or coming on to watch. And you can see the progress you've made. And if you weigh yourself and it doesn't say what you'd like it to say, does that undo everything? And she was like, in my head, yes. And then, so then she said, what are Emma's thoughts on getting over that mentality? And I thought well, that's a good one because there might be other people that are really, really struggling with the, what the scales are saying. We see it all the time. Um, and I, I know that, you know, it can be hard, can't it, for people? Yeah. And I think often you're fixated on a number that like maybe you weighed when you were a certain age or you remember feeling your best at that weight or it has a certain trigger for you or something. And this is a really simple tip. But if you always weigh in kilograms, start weighing in pounds. And if you always weigh in pounds, start weighing in kilograms. Now, obviously, in your head, you can kind of do the maths on it. But the different numbers and like I would just not do the maths on it, obviously, but the different numbers mm -hmm. kind of like feel different to you. And all we really care about is the direction. Right. We want to see a trend in one direction, which means mm -hmm. that we know that you're in a deficit, that we've got your nutrition on point and that you're making progress. Um, and then I would just point out like it is like it is so irrational. That doesn't mean it changes the way that you feel about stuff, but it when you put it in different contexts, like I was, we spoke about this on the EC method recently and an analogy I used is like, people get really fixated about, I don't know, having a certain amount in their bank account. And then like, 
say you're like right well because I noticed this in myself I was like oh that feels like comfortable to have that amount and then I was like I'm going to put this into savings and now there is less in that current account right I'm not like I'm not any worse off obviously it's just in a different account but it's kind of similar it's like okay well you got the result that you wanted but now we're going to tell you that this totally like irrelevant measure might not say what you want it to say and you're going to say that that's ruined all your progress like obviously it hasn't um and that's much more important progress than you know like what would you rather you look great you feel great you fit in your clothes but you don't weigh the arbitrary number you wanted to weigh or you weigh that number but you feel like shit you don't fit in your clothes and and you look the exact same and nobody's and that is what you weigh you're not like walking around with it on your head right it's funny isn't it and i think um i definitely noticed um it takes a little while for people to come around to that you know like to trust the process and then realize actually i'm feeling stronger i'm feeling better and they they're losing weight like they're losing weight it's just that that is less of the thing isn't it but anyway i know she'll have lost weight but it's just she's scared yeah <laughs> and i get that there because i guess she knows herself and she knows that like it might be triggering for her or make her feel a certain way about her progress which she's happy with now and then i might just say don't well, that's what what's I. The, that, to be fair, I, yeah. that's what I said. I was like, "You've got an amazing pair of shorts that are our measure, <laughs> so we don't actually need to." So anyway, that's good. Hopefully, she will tune in and listen and hear it from both of us, which always helps, doesn't it? Um, it does. Right, it does. So we have got a f- some questions on here. Have you got any questions on there? No. Okay. I've got. Um, I've some questions here but do we still have ones from what we were working off yesterday yeah yeah okay Uh, so um somebody would like to know it's one of claire's actually claire's picked this up um how to deal with fatigue and so it's quite a few check-ins with people asking how they can cope with fatigue probably when on a fat loss goal i'm going to kind of go in into that i'm going to assume it's that I think it depends because like for example we've got quite a few people with fibro now it depends like what extent the fatigue is and if if it's the kind of fatigue like exercise in the right dose should give you energy not make you feel more tired but you just need to make sure it's the right dose for you and that will be different for different people but also depending on where you are in your journey right like so initially it might just be that you need to do a little 10 minute workout every day and then you might be able to build that up as your fitness levels build up as well but then also we know that you know when you're working with people with chronic fatigue and like similar mm-hmm. conditions on that kind of bracket they'll have flare-ups at certain times mm-hmm. and it kind of comes back to what we were talking about the other day of like your di- your best will look different every day and you have to be able to like kind of reset and be like actually doing nothing still isn't helpful but now i know when i'm having a flare-up that actually just pushing myself to go to the gym also isn't helpful and actually puts me backwards yeah and i agree i would say that um people perhaps aren't tuning in listening to their body and there is a point this is why i'll quite often say to people with regards to exercising it's much harder to build a habit than to maintain a habit so if you're getting to a period of time where you're feeling really tired and you don't want to exercise try doing something to keep that habit in and it might not be the full workout or the full intensity but you're still going and or, and doing something um and if you are there and you're still struggling then often it's a sign that it's not 
the thing you should be doing because I do think once you start exercising normally you do start to feel better and if you don't then it's a sign that perhaps it's a bit more systemic really I guess um yeah although I guess that's more about motivation really of like it's so much harder to start something like really the starting thing is the hardest no matter what it is whether it's a work project whether it's getting to the gym whatever but once you're there I always use this like five minute rule of like bargaining with yourself that okay we'll just do five minutes yeah. then if you want to stop you can stop but actually let's just start and actually that is kind of links to what you're saying about like building the habit the habit is starting a workout four times a week now the likelihood is you're always going to also finish that workout but it like you don't need to worry about that and actually sometimes that's what stops you starting because you're like oh it's you know a full 30 minutes or 40 minutes and i don't know if i can do that <laughs> just think like i'll just do this first five minutes and then as soon as you do that you're like oh, okay well maybe i'll do a little bit more and then you move on to the next thing and then you're like well i'm halfway through now may as well finish it yeah giving up is harder it and the same you were talking about those short workouts yesterday mm -hmm. same with this quite often i'll say to people instead of saying like three rounds of this i'll go one to three rounds start yeah. commit to one round just commit to one and um and then if they do one they'll probably do more but they've yeah. always always done one so yeah there you go i think that covers that doesn't it i think yeah i think the other thing Thing I was going to say about dieting fatigue is it's often misattributed to the diet so actually realistically unless you're very lean it's not normally your diet that's making you fatigued I think a lot of people think oh what I need is just a bit more carbohydrates in my diet well if you've got a lot of body fat to lose like remember fat is just stored energy so it's not necessarily that you need like a like a then chocolate bar to pick you up in the afternoon there's plenty of energy there it's much more likely the obvious stuff, like you didn't sleep the night before, you know? And then when you delve into it, it's like, okay, well actually that's, that's more likely it. And if you're fueling yourself well, not over restricting, like, but you are in a bit of deficit and you've got fat to lose, like if anything, often we see people's energy levels like increase, not decrease. I'm gonna go get you on a tangent again, because isn't this why we get people to reflect? Because again, if you are saying, oh, I'm just always really tired but you're not spending time thinking about why that might be then it's really hard to, to put something a strategy into place which is why slowing down your mind and having a think about things helps isn't it yeah we we've go. got a question here do you yeah. ever agree with quite considerable calorie deficit for a short period of time if you have an imminent goal if you know that this is not right for the long term um yeah sometimes <laughs> i will yeah. i will diet people hard sometimes but under the caveat like I mean I would kind of assess where they are first and that it's not just like another yo-yo diet for them uh and then also with people who have a lot of body fat to lose I'd put them in a much bigger deficit in fact I think I have a post coming up about this I've definitely written it it's probably scheduled to go out but I had a client recently who was over 130 kilograms and we put them in a like a pretty big deficit, I think over a thousand uh, calories a day. And they lost fat very quickly and they were absolutely fine because they have a lot of energy to lose. You don't need to slow it down to the extent that you would with someone who has less body fat to lose. I think if you've got a lot to lose, you can do at least the first part of it quite quickly. Uh, and that also really, that's more based on like a calculation, right? In theory, 
you could be in a really big deficit in like practicality can you stick to that consistently does it impact other areas of your life you know when you're looking at big deficits for people who weigh more as well you're still talking about like relatively high calories right so you could still eat out you could still have a glass of wine here and there like there'd be enough room for flexibility so if you were trying to create that size of deficit in a smaller person it would be so over restricted you'd never be able to stick to it if you've got a bigger person who has a larger energy expenditure like their um total daily energy expenditure was well over three thousand right so when i had them close to two thousand it was actually quite easy to stick to and they lost fat quicker it's not really a problem but it's all dependent on the individual this is why i don't really like calorie calculators either because they'll just spit out like a generic thing based on like three bits of information about you doesn't take into consideration your dieting history your body fat levels like if you're like i say good with restriction like basically where you are and where your starting point is um so yeah i do have some people in much bigger deficits and it works very well yeah and i think having support of an action a coach so that you're going through that process and then if you are struggling they adjust is key as well because if you're going to be all like just saying that's it i can't do this and giving up then you need someone there to go no no it's not just about giving up it's about reassessing yeah or, or like to this point right someone's just saying here hi i started a calorie deficit like so many others but it led to missing my period and then also binge eating right and that sounds like it was done wrong without support so as in sounds like it might have been quite a big deficit or maybe you didn't need to be in deficit usually the reason that someone is going to start missing their period might be stress but normally it's low body fat levels uh, that can happen at interestingly like higher body fat levels than what a lot of people would assume mm. uh, depending on uh, usually actually depending on the leptin receptors that you have but um yeah there there are a couple of things that it could be or that might be but generally it sounds like maybe you've been dieting too hard now especially with the binge eating as well like that often in fact almost always it's caused by over restriction and then you're going to respond to that by overindulging and that's actually a very normal response to over restriction i think so many people uh beat themselves up about that or make it about them or they're just greedy or they they're ashamed about it and actually overeating is a completely normal response to over restriction absolutely and actually this we've talked about periods yesterday about tracking them I, I think it's really important to monitor yourself because it is such an indication of overall health if you're obviously if you are, are on birth control it doesn't mean it's harder but it's it's such a good way to monitor you, how you're kind of coping with something and you know if you're a really active person and on a big calorie deficit then you do need to be aware of things like red f and and, and over restriction so yeah excellent do you want me to read one of ours this one starts yeah. this one starts with hello my gorgeous coaches so obviously you're gonna love this one um it said i've read a lot about the five kilograms or so the last five kilograms or so the hardest to lose Thanks to Commit to Six, this is where I'm now at. I'd like to know, A, why this is, and B, if there's something more I can be doing to help here, or do I just get on with it, knowing it will take longer? I've already adjusted my calorie range, and and I'm 90% on track most weeks with this. Steps and workouts, moi. <laughs> um, yeah, 
it is and it, it like it's as simple as it's because you have less fat to lose so your body starts to push back against that to basically preserve as much energy as possible so you essentially become more efficient you will habitually move less all your movement now burns less calories because you're a smaller person right if you started if you do your 10,000 steps weighing 80 kilograms but now you weigh 60 kilograms that burns less calories as well right so what used to be a bigger deficit for you is now probably a smaller deficit so one thing you could do is reduce your calories or accept that you're in a bit of a smaller deficit it's going to take a little bit longer but that might give you a bit more flexibility within your diet make it more sustainable make it more enjoyable it's kind of personal preference. I quite like going in and out and being like, do you know what, when I'm on a diet, I'm strict. I'm on a diet, this is how it is. And then when I'm at maintenance, I'm at maintenance. But some people would prefer to be in like a more moderate deficit for a longer period of time. I don't think there's a right or wrong. I think the other thing that comes up quite a lot with this, and I had a discussion with the coach about it the other week, is that there's kind of this narrative, and a lot of coaches say this, I think without the underlying understanding of it of if you drop your calories too low then you'll have nowhere to go as if you just like adapt so that that would be like your maintenance needs and that's not really what happens right like if it, for example your maintenance at the start of your diet was 2000 calories and you're in a 1500 and you eat 1500 calories you're in a 500 calorie deficit if you continued there, but you started to lose weight, you might end your diet now in like, say a 300 or 400 calorie deficit because you're a smaller person. You're not gonna adapt, like you adapt to an extent, but it's very unlikely you're gonna adapt to those lower calories, like depending on how much weight you've lost, but that's very, very unlikely. And you can drop your calories lower. And we have a lot of people that start and finish their diet on the same calories. There's no need to change them because it was a deficit at the start, it was a deficit at the end, and then we bring them up to maintenance. Mm. I think that's a bit of like a, a misconception from people of like, oh, well, what, like, what will I do? Because after this amount of weeks, I will have adapted to those calories. That's not how it works. No, I thought you were going to talk about Paula Radcliffe for a minute. I was like, oh, I'm oh, definitely going to be how talking about Oh, shoehorned her in there? Well, yeah, no, she's You could have done because you're talking about you. I've heard you do it before when you're talking about how once you get fitter. Really? Um, yeah, I was like, yeah, there's the adaptation of fitness as well. So as you become a fitter person, you'll burn less calories for the same amount of work. Like me versus Paula Radcliffe, you know. Uh, I'm sure you've done that. I think Paula Radcliffe comes into conversations like a reasonable amount. Really? Um, it's actually quite like a shocking amount for, <laughs> for the fact that you know like anyway i'm a big fan okay she's a big fan but not as fit as paula radcliffe not <laughs> apparently quite, like not, not nearly it's, it's very close it, but um, it would take emma a little bit more energy to run a marathon than say paula radcliffe yeah okay um, there's a question about deadlifts it says i've read and heard some conflicting information so please advise should i be putting the bar down between each rep oh okay maybe she and, and yeah yes we should hence the name deadlift but i think only with conventional deadlifts and if you're doing stiff leg deadlifts then no I think we might have caught up with the uh, i'm just gonna check um, but yeah I, I was thinking oh she might be thinking stiff leg deadlifts but it does look like the oh 
So we've got one here, but I, I have missed a couple. Um, one about uh, no, we've done that one. No, that was okay. One this is fine because yeah, I've got. got yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, was Slim wanted to? I'm assuming lose more, but lost period gained a bit of fat, which led to binge. Okay. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, message me afterwards if you want. I can put you in touch with an excellent dietitian who can help you. Uh, okay. Uh, 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 uh. Okay, here's one for you. How do you improve your sleep during perimenopause? I, I, love, I love chatting about sleep and perimenopause because often people feel like there's nothing they can do about it because it's their menopause symptoms. So they go, huh. There's nothing I can do, and like HRT can help, like vasomotor like symptoms. But actually, with regards to the insomnia and so on, it, it's often like lifestyle habits that are going to help you more. So getting in those, um, getting in those habits around sleep routine that are going to make you feel calmer and more relaxed going into sleep. So if you're waking up with night sweats, yeah, there are things that can help that as well that aren't that are kind of food based and and so on. But if it's just that you're sleeping worse and struggling to get to sleep, um, there are, I mean, there's so much. But I would say that my top ones would be um, that sleep routine, going to bed at the same time each night, getting up at the same time each morning, winding down, making sure that I actually another favorite is not looking at your phone for an hour before bed, just putting it away and finding calm. Because during menopause, we we don't cope with stress as well or some people don't cope with stress as well. We take longer to recover anxiety can be higher and it's actually often these things that are stopping you from sleeping so well i'm i'm also a big fan of like i know emma was like really and the magnesium spray on your feet um it, if it works i'm that, here for it yeah and you know what i got told about this in my menopause training and i've tried it i've told quite a few women to try it now and they're like oh magic spray and um, spraying it on sole of your feet and i think maybe it's just helping them relax a bit more but it even helped with waking but really it's reducing that that stress and making bedtime a routine not just winging and going to bed late and getting into a cycle it really is nailing down that we've got a sleep audit that we give to people that you can go through and tick off the things that you are doing and then it's because there's quite a lot you can do to help improve your sleep like the time of day you eat and so on and perhaps I could send that out if people wanted it I'm very happy to send it to them um, and then you complete it and then you pick two habits that you are going to work on that will help improve your sleep. Um, and I think that's the thing with menopause. There's often things we can do that will give us the best chance of a good night's sleep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other things that help, I think, are a bit of a brain dump before bed. So anything that's playing around in your head, write it down so you know what's going on. Plan your mm -hmm. next day. Yes. That would be Evening routine. Yeah. And then I think a big one that we've noticed with women is having your last meal a little bit earlier. Saying that, both of these things work, which are completely opposing. So having your last meal earlier, so like leaving like a kind of three hour gap before you go to bed, or having your last meal later, or like a snack later. Because again, like, especially with like a more carb heavy snack, sometimes that can really help. And then with some menopausal clients that I have, especially ones that have quite um, 
big physique goals, sometimes we'll put a protein feeding in before bed. And weirdly, because I would have thought it would have had the opposite effect, but weirdly that seems to help with sleep as well. I do know so, some people like a little snack before before bed because the feeling of being hungry keeps them awake but as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what have I missed here? Okay. A 45-year-old perimenopausal woman lose the flabby belly. I don't need abs, but I'd love it to be firmer. Um, yes. 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 I mean, do we, do we need to go into a bit more deep? Like, do we need to go in a little bit? I think we did. Did we talk about this recently? It feels like we did on a podcast yeah. about um, why you do. In fact, no, that was one of the coaching calls, I think. Um, but you do tend to redistribute where you store body fat um, when estrogen drops. So you store it more around your middle, which, yeah, you can see this redistribution. Can you lose it? Yes, exactly the same way that you would when you're dieting in any context. Um, is it harder? A lot of the time, yes. Um, what else are I going to say about that? Yeah, I think the kind of narrative, because we have a lot of women who have almost been like, told by their doctors that like this is just what happens like you gain weight during menopause and hey your body fat redistributes and that's just like part of aging and we have a lot of women who are just like i just refuse to accept that like i want to change so i'm going to change and then it's like the proof is in the results that they've got and i think and like someone asked me yesterday who do you like working with most and i'm like those people that are like fuck being average like do you know what when you look at the stats like as you age like people tend to lose muscle gain fat and their quality of life reduces that's an average and i think that's part of the problem is the way that we give across a lot of that information of like weight gain is a side effect of aging like no it correlates with it but they're not causal like you don't have to have one with the other and so much of it is to do with your behaviors now your behaviors are also linked to aging right and like the research that came out relatively recently until a few years ago like a lot of people thought that your metabolism reduced as you age now there's research to show that actually the the reason for that is that you lose muscle mass as you age and the reason for that is that you generally stop exercising as you age right does it become harder to build muscle mass yes is it impossible like absolutely not right so i think it's partly like a mindset thing of like, no, I refuse for that to happen. I don't want to be like, yeah, I've got a third of my life left. And do you know what? It's all downhill from here. Hell no. And that's mm. essentially, most of our clients are basically that ethos. And I think the thing is that you, like I said, it was sleep, menopause all over. I think you've got so much more control than you realize. It's just making sure that you keep it as simple as possible you know just keep it keep it chill um but yeah often i don't know the you know saying that on the um symptoms of menopause it it is often a symptom of menopause but not like you said not because um those hormone changes go right that's it yeah but i think you're it, now sounds right because if you're going through menopause and you're like then see my doctor they say that one of the symptoms is weight gain and i'm gaining weight it's like oh, well, that's one of the, you know, there's nothing I can do about the fact I'm going through menopause. So that's one of the symptoms. That's just how it is, right? And then what happens is your corresponding behaviours start to align with that. Mm. And that becomes the problem. Because then you're like, well, I mean, why would you try to lose weight if, if you know it's a side effect? Like, if you don't think that you can, 
and I think this is quite common with like anyone in the pursuit of a diet like if you don't truly believe that you can do something why would you try you wouldn't yeah. but, and that and then that kind of creates more and more evidence for yourself that you can't do that and like oh I was right I couldn't do that because you didn't believe that you could so you didn't put the effort in and then you didn't get the result and then you're like well there's the confirmation that I couldn't do it and it's like that's yeah there's obviously a flaw with that I think more more so we see this with things like your mindset around food or your relationship with food I think some people can think well I'll never feel like I could just I just know eat one cookie and then leave the rest or i'll never have a good relationship with my food or i'll never like my body and then if you don't believe those things it's very unlikely that you're going to put in the effort to change them and they are all changeable and like the way that you think is changeable right it's called neuroplasticity like you can change it it does take a lot of time and effort and i think the best analogy i've ever heard for this is i'm pretty sure it's from the book um why is nobody taught me this which is an excellent book oh i've, I've listened to yeah. that yeah no, no one told me this before yeah. isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. um so i've kind of changed it because i think she uses a jungle in the analogy but i don't really like that analogy but anyway she talks about like neural wiring and essentially the way i like to think about it is if you're in like a field of wheat and you've always walked the same way right so you've always like i don't know looked in the mirror and then just berated yourself for the way that you look that will be your neural wiring you'll always want to do that when you look in the mirror until you start teaching yourself a different pattern now initially that'll be harder because you have to tread your own path through this field of hay and then you're like oh look there's a really easy path that i always take then you have to turn away from it and tread another one right same with like if you're someone who always sits on the couch and eats a tub of pringles after dinner like you're like oh there's my path that i always take and that is like familiar and useful and is right there and I'm going to have to turn the other way and take a different path and tread through the, the field of wheat to make that path. It will be harder initially, but as you make that harder path more frequently, it kind of becomes a bit of a habit, right? It becomes like rewired in your brain. And then the wheat starts to regrow in the area that used to be that path. And now you're not like, oh, every day I have to really think about not overeating after dinner. You're just like, well, that I don't eat after dinner. Like I have my last meal, have a cup of tea and then like, but I don't have any snacks after that. That's just not something that I do. And it becomes really easy because it's not habitual anymore. But you have to work through that. And to do the work to get through that, you kind of have to believe that that is possible. Otherwise, you don't do the work. Yeah, I, it is that internal commitment to yourself, isn't it? That this is the type of person I am. I'm the type of person that doesn't do that behavior and then believing it really believing it yes that is a good one I, I actually realized that I have missed one question that's right at the bottom because obviously I was working kind of in the middle um, and it was like just and I know that um you did a podcast on this actually I think recently um oh, but motivation for pardon shocking and I could say that for everything, right? Yeah. Emma's done a podcast, but this is one we've done recently. But motivation for continuing weight loss over a period of nine months or more for for that last five k. But this is the motivation. I guess we could see this as a motivation to continue when you've been on the journey for quite a long time. Mm. And I know that you did you did talk about this recently, didn't you? I mean, I'm probably always talking about it. I'm trying to think about the exact one you're thinking of, but I, I you shared it on the group. Yeah, I definitely think for me it's oh yeah I did it for the reset for committed didn't I yeah I definitely think for me it's like it's having like bigger goals I think often you come for fat loss 
And then you realize it's so much bigger than that. And you realize that there's like, if I want to show up well, you have to exercise anyway. You have to eat well anyway. Like if you want to care about like, if you care about your health, you have to do these things anyway. And sometimes you get demotivated when you're always tying it to an out, like a tangible outcome. Like I want to get in a wedding dress for this date. And then you've like, you put so much pressure on that and you forget that actually you'd have to do all this stuff anyway. Like, yeah, it might look slightly different and Hey, maybe you cut your calories a little bit. You do a bit of a cut, whatever, but fundamentally like to maintain your results, which is what we're all about. Like we want this to be something that is not just like another diet that you do and then you regain the weight. Like this is the time that you maintain it. You have to get in the headspace of these are behaviors I'm going to have to maintain. If you want to keep the result, you can't expect just to get to your quote unquote goal weight and then just revert slowly back to your normal behaviors. And that will be the tendency. There will always be that drift backwards. And that's why you need to keep checking in, keep calling yourself out, like have different goals. Like my goal now is nothing to do with physique. Like I want to show up at my best. I want to have good energy. Like I care about my health. Like to be honest, a lot of it is to do with like productivity and how I show up at work and how much I can expect of myself. And that's all related to like, like the behaviors that you do every day. And I find that for maintenance is far more motivating than like, I don't know, are you going to get, are you going to lose some weight? And that obviously is a finite, like once you've lost the weight, okay, well now what's the goal? Yeah. And that's the thing. And I've, I know we've spoken about this before. It's like, does there need to be a goal or does there just need to be, I'm, I'm just want to feel my best. Um, something I was going to say to you just now that I see quite a lot, um, occur, like the, you know, we were talking about um, that, that kind of uh, shift of these behaviours you're doing. One thing I see that people suddenly get more motivated or believe they can make change is when they start moving more. It definitely seems to make a difference. So they'll start and they'll be like really struggling. I see it all the time, really struggling to get my steps. I'm really struggling to do this. And then it's like, something happens and I get their next check-in form and it's like I've got my steps and I'm like there is such a pattern here between the the moving more and the feeling more motivated to do the other stuff and it seems to be like a, like I'm moving more my I'm feeling better my motivation's higher and then um, so I always really like seeing it when people are reaching their, their steps for partly for that reason see I yeah I agree I think often we underestimate like how much behaviors influence each other. Like it's way easier to stick to your diet when you're going to the gym. This is why we have a morning routine because it's not because of anything that's in the morning routine. Like that's not, they're not, no, nothing that we put in there is particularly groundbreaking. It's the fact that you've started your day with an action in the pursuit of your goal. Now all the other actions that you take throughout the day are way more likely to also be in the pursuit of that goal or more in line with that goal. It's like sunk costs backwards. It's like, well, I've done this one thing in, in line with my goals. So I don't want to ruin it now by doing this. And the opposite works. Like when you start your day late and you miss your morning routine, you didn't get to the gym, you're like, oh, what's the point eating well? Well, if you know that tendency and you flip reverse it and you're like, right, how do I start my day with something positive so that I'm kind of like, hedging my bets towards that and then you don't want to like quote quote mess it up by being like you're not you're not going to come home from like going for a walk in the morning and then getting to the gym and come home and be like do you know what i'll just have five bacon bites you'd be like oh, do you know what i've just been to the gym i'm definitely gonna have like a high protein breakfast start my day right and then it just becomes like this compounding thing you're much more likely to then have a better choice at dinner 
because you're like well i've nailed the rest of the day I'm not just gonna like you know make poor choices now yeah no i agree um and another thing that is uh coming up is the bad weather and getting steps in that's something else i've seen is pe well, people I say, if there's a red weather warning where you are please do not go outside emma's mum said my mum said yeah but, but it, that she's also right <laughs> so yeah. on those days we we quite often do a range with steps as well don't we yeah. for that reason we're like on the days where there's a red weather warning maybe don't aim for the upper range on those days um or hit it as an average and and go out when it's better but i know people worry about the winter and and that movement yeah. as well and also just the fact like what is it now six o'clock it's dark here mm -hmm. and like i live i don't like to say a safe place because nothing like everything's safe until it's not safe but relatively safe place but like if you don't like i just feel it's like you don't want to encourage people to be like walking around the street like yeah go for a walk after work at 6 p.m when it's pitch black in a dodgy neighborhood like no no lunch time maybe um is okay well hopefully it's still like lunchtime but i don't know in scotland but then you think, what time like, it get actually in the morning it's not light in the evening it's not light no I know, and then I've got a client that said she bought one of those walking pads, which like, and I had another client that sent me a message saying she'd done a, a step workout just to get, it said it was something like, yeah, 4, yeah. but it wasn't, it's like a thick, it, it was an 80s one, I was like, amazing, this 80s step workout, but I have to give it a go. This was like a massive thing in lockdown, everyone was like, oh yes, yeah, uh, well, I don't want to rub it in, but during lockdown I was in Barbados. <laughs> So um, I'm really sorry. Yeah. yeah, the winter lockdown, I disappeared, didn't I? So um, really maybe that's why I'm... Yeah. It must have been really tough for you. It was. It was really... We got locked down there as well. Oh, I was... bet that was really hard. Yeah. I lockdown in Barbados. I know. It was really tough. It was really tough. Um, you, I had to run around my garden. You, you're still here, so that's good. You know? Pardon? You, you yeah, made I made it through. through. Yeah. I, I made it through, but they made me, uh, you know, I did come home uh, as well. But yeah, so that's probably why I've missed it. I can't believe I'll have to do, I will do one. I'll try one. Yeah, well, I think um, that's a good time to log off, do some steps with Rick. Uh, not sponsored, but highly recommend. Oh, and I'm if you are thinking of signing up to Commit 6, we start on Monday. There's still about 20 spaces left if you want to join. And you can message either Ruth or myself if you have any questions about it and yeah. uh, that's all right have lovely evenings and um stay, stay safe in the storm thank you